Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks so much, Christy Kotokoto Church. How are you guys doing? Who enjoyed the hot shower this morning, guys? Nice. You'll, you'll hear more about that next week if it's a bit of a mystery to you. Um, so kia ora, my name's Simon and um, lead the church with Christy and a great team of people. It's just so awesome to be with you. We love our church because it's made up of all you beautiful people and um, we're here to give God the glory So, and he has been glorified this morning. What an incredible morning, what an incredible day. Um, we, we should be celebrating Jesus all the time but I love the Easter weekend, because it's the time of the year where Christians, we've chosen it to celebrate not just the death, but the resurrection of Jesus. It's all about that. If, if Jesus didn't die on the cross and rise again, there is no point for what we're doing or how we're feeling, but we know he did that, thank God. And I just really want to talk about that, give a simple uh, message this morning, this morning about actually what is the big deal about why Jesus did what he did? What, you know, we talk about the precious blood of Jesus. Why is it so precious? Um, and what does it mean to us now, a couple of thousand years later? Is it still relevant to us? So that's where I'm going this morning. And at the end, we're going to have an incredible time of communion where I'm going to invite you to come up and just just partake in, in, in having communion with us and with Jesus together as one of my dear friends, Brian, sings us an incredible song about communion. So we're going to go back to the beginning of what happened, and I'm going to be pretty much staying in Romans 10, although true to form, I'm going to be jumping about a bit. So if you brought your real Bibles, um, if you just want to go to Romans 10, that would be awesome. But um, Sorry, Hebrews 10. Romans 5 says this, and this is going right back to the beginning. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone's sin. So in our DNA, we've, we've inherited this thing called sin nature from Adam and Eve because they, they, they absolutely sinned, they blew it, and sin and, and the curse and death came into this world. We are driven to sin. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, but God wanted to do something about that. And in Genesis 3.21, we hear what he did and says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Now, it doesn't blatantly say that God had to kill an innocent animal to give Adam and Eve skins and to clothe their shame. Um, but that's what he did. It's the very first implied death in the Bible. And it came about because of the sin of mankind. There had to be the sacrifice and the death of an innocent third party to cover over the sin and the shame of the guilty party, which was Adam and Eve, covering the sin of the guilty with the life of an innocent. There needs to be the sacrifice of an innocent one to cover over the sin of the guilty one. And we see this right throughout the Old Testament. Uh, when the Israelites were just about to be rescued out of uh, hundreds of years of slavery and bondage in Egypt, um, the angel of death was going to pass over the households, and each household had to kill an innocent lamb and spread the innocent lamb's blood over the doorpost. It's an incredible symbol of the cross. And, and when the angel of death saw that, he literally, part, or it literally passed over that house, and there was no death in that house. Again, the, the blood of an innocent party had to be spilled. There had to be a death of an innocent sacrifice to cover over the sin of 
the guilty party. And again, we see this when they were rescued out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness for 40 years and then into the promised land. This still happened. And we read that in Leviticus um, and Numbers. And I just want to read from Hebrews 10, verse 1 to 4. The old system under the law of Moses, which is talking about all these animals dying, these innocent animals dying, um, to cover over the sin of the guilty. There's only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They were only a temporary measure, a substitute that people knew they had sinned. There had to be a death of an innocent party to cover over, but it was only ever just a temporary covering over. It was never going to happen once for all time. So do you have any idea how many animals would have had to die for the sins of the Israelites um, and all the sacrifices each year? Like, I don't know how you could have possibly have been an animal lover in those times and, and, and be someone who worked at the temple. It's like, I love animals. Like we've got four cats and one dog. And every time we go to a pet shop, like Christy sometimes has to almost literally pull me away if there's like a kitten. Like if we had a bigger property, man, I'd just have more animals because I love animals so much. But we've got to remember a lot of these animals that were sacrificed, they were raised in households with families. They were family pets to begin with. So there would have been a lot of heartbreak and heartache for these innocent Animals that had to be slaughtered, and there were a lot of them. Because every time someone sins, there has to be a covering over. So, if, if the blood of animals were only ever a temporary measure, whose blood then can take away sins? Is there anyone's blood that can take away sins once for all time? So there needs to be a, a, a few qualifications here. couldn't be an animal, because... It really, it has to be a human. If you're going to be the true sacrifice once for all time, it had to be man, not someone who sinned. had to be sinless. So what's the point of, of a man um, sacrificing himself if he was sinful to cover over the sin of an innocent party and to pay the price? That would never have happened. It had to be someone who was man and someone who was human, um, not a mortal, because if that person died, then there was no point. It had to, then there would have had to have been more sacrifices. But it had to be someone who was all man and human, obviously, and was sinless and was immortal. That death couldn't hold them down. Was there such a person? It had to be someone who was all God at the same time. Because only someone who is all God and all man at the same time can reconcile man back to God. So, a human, someone who's all man and all God, someone who is sinless, someone who is immortal, someone who's a perfect representative of humanity and God, someone who is only all God and all man. Is there such a person? 
Like a little bit of a spoiler alert if you haven't worked this out. There is such a person and his name is Jesus. And he has paid the price once for all time. Once, I mean, come on guys, give God a bit of a hand for that. That's like, that's a big deal. God in the flesh took on the form of a man, sinless, immortal, not only died on the cross for our sins, but rose again to break the curse of sin and death once for all time. Hebrews 10 verse 4, just carrying on with that. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, so this is what Jesus is saying to his father. Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First Peter 1, 18 to 19. For you know that your lives were ransomed once for all from the empty and futile way of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Christ, who, like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. So the night before Jesus went to the cross, he had one last meal called the Last Supper with his closest and best friends. And usually that is was the Passover time where every Israelite family would look back to what God did at the Passover when they were um, rescued out of Egypt and, and talk about what God did back then. But what Jesus did is he took the, the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body. I'm not looking back anymore. This is what I'm doing now. I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. And he had that wine. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice once for all time. We cannot add to that. It's done. It is finished. That's why Jesus said that. And Jesus' blood just doesn't cover over our sins. Just like those skins that covered over Adam and Eve, Jesus' blood just doesn't cover over our sins. It washes our sin completely away. Completely away. Washed whiter than snow. Carrying on from Hebrews 10 verse 8. First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancelled cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as the single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy, us. What cleanses us from all sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, only the blood of Jesus. There is no other substance in all of the universe 
Like it is, the blood of Jesus is the most precious thing in all of eternity, in, in, all, of, in all of the universe, in all of the multiverse, if you're into Marvel. So when Jesus died on the cross, he said something. In John 19.30, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And in the Bible, that, that word's translated titalisti or tetalistai. And it's actually an accounting term. Like in the olden days, like it's all digital now, but I imagine in the olden days, say if you were, you were paying off your, your house mortgage or you had a massive debt that was against your name, and if you had the money or the, or the means to pay for it, you would go to the bank and, and you would give them all that money and, and on the, the invoice or the receipt or the, the bill of debt or whatever it's called, there would be a stamp, like paid in full. And the, the bank teller would, would stamp that and it would be legally, you have no more debt. Like it's paid off in full, paid in full. Jesus used a banking term, an economic term, as he died on the cross. It is finished. It's better translated, paid in full. He's paid everything. We, 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 sh- we can't add to it. So just imagine if, like, oh, I'd love to be able to pay off our mortgage. And just imagine if I could go into the bank next week and pay off the mortgage. That would be a, an amazing day. Um, and, but then, like, we've done it and there's a big celebration. But then I, then I start to have sleepless nights and I think, well, actually, have I paid it all off? So I go to the bank the next week and I say, yeah, I know I paid off my mortgage last week, but I just, just in case, I want to give you a few more thousand dollars uh, because I just don't feel like it's enough. And the bank teller would look at me and think, Simon, you're an idiot. What, the, what are you doing? It's like, why are you giving? Like, you can't add anything more. You've paid off the debt. So just rejoice in that and go and celebrate. That's exactly what Jesus did, except on, a, on an infinitely more powerful level. We can't add to what Jesus did at the cross. It's been paid in full. So stop trying. Stop trying to earn it. It's almost offensive to Jesus to do that. Enjoy what he's done. It's been paid in full because of the precious blood of Jesus. It is finished. So what is finished? We know, okay, we know the debt's paid off, but what really is finished? Can you look into that or can we unpack it? Like no more sacrificing, no more temporary covering over, no more striving, no more works. The curse of sin is finished for us. That by faith, trust in Jesus, salvation by works, it is finished. Slavery to sin is finished. Satan's dominion in your life is completely finished. And I could go on and on and on. It is finished. Jesus did it all on the cross. Isn't that just absolutely amazing? So we, we focus on that about all the stuff that's finished, and that's, that's awesome. But at the same time, like we've got to understand that because of what Jesus did, because it is finished, things have begun in our lives as well. So it's almost like it is finished so it can begin in our lives so that we can start to live this incredible life of hope and destiny and blessing and faith in Christ. So it's not just finished, it's also begun. And uh, if you again, if you want to have... Uh, a theologian's view of this, that tetelestai, paid in full, if you really look into that word, it doesn't just mean, okay, 
it's paid in full, see you later. It means the effects of that being paid in full will last forever, indefinite, eternal. The effects of that being paid off of what Jesus did at the cross, its effects are going on and on and on today, which is phenomenal as well. Um, so it has begun, 2 Corinthians 5, four to, end of 14 and, and, and reading on. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Um, verse 17, one of my favorite verses and one of the big verses of why our church is called Renew Church. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. It is finished. A new life has begun. So, so what, what begins? What has begun? What has started? And there's a whole lot of amazing things. And um, Gary pretty much prayed all my points this morning as he was praying about this this morning in the prayer service. Wholeness begins because of what Jesus did on the cross. That word that we, we get salvation, so often we use salvation. It's like, yeah, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. And we, we use it in that term, well, I'm, I'm saved from an eternity in hell, I'm going to go to heaven, it's salvation. But that word salvation is so much bigger than that. It means, it's sozo in the original language, but it means completeness and complete wholeness. And that is available to every single one of us because of the blood of Jesus. To be completely whole. And, man, I was just talking to uh, a friend this morning. Like, we're, we're so broken in this world. Mankind is broken, but because of what Jesus did at the cross, we can walk out of those jail cells and start living the life of wholeness and completeness that Jesus has paid for us. It's just a step of faith. Freedom begins. I'll never forget a pastor talking very openly at a um, Promise Keepers Conference many years ago, and he had struggled with severe depression his whole life and a lot of his ministry. Um, and he was struggling with this, and he was just reading this simple verse, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. In that moment, he grabbed hold of that word indeed, which is completely free. He who the Son sets free is completely free. And in a split second, he was delivered of depression in that moment of time. What begins? Wholeness begins. Freedom begins. And like straight away, it's like, well, Simon, I've still got areas of brokenness in my life. I haven't really experienced that. So we've got, we've got a couple of choices there. We either dilute the truth of God's word to fit into our circumstance, or we by faith dare to believe that there is more for us because of what Jesus did on the cross. Like I would definitely prefer to believe that that latter part instead of that former opinion. Sonship begins. And man, I, I love this whole revelation. It's been something that God has been working very powerfully in my heart last year or end of last year and this year. Galatians 4, um, verse 5 onwards. God has adopted us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Before Christ, we were slaves to sin. 
Like I was talking about um, that sin nature that's a part of our DNA. We just can't help but being driven to sin. Sin is our master. We are slaves to sin. We've got the sin nature, but then we give our lives to Jesus. And he does something incredible in us. We don't, we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're sons of God. Like we can't be both. So this sin nature, we, it's still in our DNA, but it is no longer our slave master. So we succumb to sin when we choose to succumb to sin. We don't have to do that. We can walk in the power of being a son of God. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. We can walk in freedom and victory and understand sonship. Destiny begins. Ephesians 2.10, we've been created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good work he planned for us long ago. Like, I'm pretty sure he's got some good stuff for us to do in heaven, but this is talking about your life right now. We've got incredible things to do that God has planned for us. An incredible life of destiny. In this lifetime. And I love, I think I talked about it this morning. You know, God didn't say, like, Simon, you're finished when you died on the cross. Or, like, I'm God, but I'm, I'm dead and, like, I've finished. Like, he said, it is finished. Like, Jesus is just getting started in your life. If you've given your life to him, there's this whole new life and this journey of destiny and hope and power and influence in this world. It's just getting started. So let's lift our eyes a little bit to what the future could hold because Jesus holds the future and it is a bright future. Three people are excited about that. <laughs> Communion begins. Talked a lot about that. It's been sort of a, a theme underpinning our, our prayer series that like God just yearns for, can't wait. For communion with us, the real name or the real meaning of communion is intimate communication, true relationship. That relationship was broken because sin came into the world. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he died and rose again. We can now have complete full access to the throne room of heaven. Actually, God says, I want you to come boldly into my presence, into the throne room. I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. Jesus, God just can't wait to spend time with us. And um, I was going to talk a little bit about the table and, and about the analogy and the symbolism of the table. Like in, in the culture that the Bible was written, when you spent time and had a meal with someone, it was so powerful. It was so intimate. It meant that you honored that other person. And God wants to set a table for you. He's actually like setting the table for you to have a meal with them. My, my kids set our table sometimes. But God actually prepares a table for you in Psalm 23. It says, in the midst of your enemies. So what's an enemy we have? You know, things that are coming against us spiritually, maybe financial worries, maybe pressure, maybe anxiety, maybe mental health, maybe, I don't know, every depression, addiction. And even in the midst of that, God wants to sit at a table and commune with you and be so close with you. Communion begins. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, victory begins. Colossians 2 verse 14 onwards says, He, which is Jesus, canceled the record of charges against us. There it is, paid in full. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, 
He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When an army was uh, beaten and, and overcome, usually they would um, parade the, the, the generals and, and those that were in any sort of uh, area, place of authority, through the streets to completely ridicule them. That's what Jesus did to all the demonic. So let's not give the demonic more power than they actually have. Like again, people can just make it so, so big. So it's almost like devil, the devil's like the equal of God. Like, no way. Like the only power we give to the devil is, again, choosing to give him power. So I'm just like, these days, it's like, yeah, the demonic is there and there is an influence, but I'm not going to give it actually more authority than it has. Because... The devil's lost all his authority for those of us that are now in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 37. And again, it talks about all these people experiencing hardship. And then it says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming. It's not like, like you won the victory of a soccer game and it was like 3-2. Like, this is like overwhelming. There's like a million goals to one. And we say that the blood of Jesus is, like, the gift of salvation is free, and it is really a free gift, but please let us dare not think because it is free, it's cheap. Because the blood of Jesus, again, is the most valuable, the most precious thing in the whole world. It cost God his life. That's how precious the blood of Jesus is. And at the start of the, our incredible choir, there was that verse, uh, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Let's make that personal because it is personal. But he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. He was beaten so I could be whole. He was whipped so I could be healed. And I think we, we cheapen the blood of Jesus when we believe in the blood of Jesus, but we don't behave like we believe in the blood of Jesus. Like our belief and our behavior can't really be separated, but in some people's lives, they, they, believe, or they say they believe something and, and they behave something completely different. Like we're not valuing the precious blood of Jesus when we live like that. So finally, and I'm wrapping this up soon, Jesus died and rose again a couple of thousand years ago. It is finished. But for us to receive the huge blessing of that, like we need to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. Like Jesus died for, for everyone, but not everyone is going to heaven. Why is that? Because we have to apply the blood of Jesus by faith to our lives. So just give me like five seconds. Soap. Like, for those of us that were doing Fight Club for the last three months, like, we were having cold showers, and, man, I lost the grace for cold showers, like, a couple of days ago. But, like, we still use soap. Like, we still wanted to be clean. And we know that the purpose of soap is to make you clean, right? Uh, and we've got to apply soap 
to our lives. But let's say we just bought soap and we kept it in the cupboard, wherever it is, in, in the, the vanity, and we just had it on the, on the shelf, and it's like, yeah, I've got soap, it's going to make me clean, but we keep it in the vanity. Like, we only bring it out on Christmas and Easter to have a look at it, and it's like, well, this is awesome, I've got my soap, I'm clean. Like, you are never, ever, I'm sorry, I've got news for you for those of you that think this way, you're never going to get clean by just looking at some soap. You're never going to get clean by believing that soap will get you clean. Like, what you do is you're actually supposed to put it in the shower. So I could be sitting in the shower, or standing in the shower, um, and be looking at the soap. It's still not going to get me clean. For soap to get me clean, for me to, to really understand and be the recipient of the goodness of cleanliness that comes from washing my body with soap, I have to apply the soap to my body to be clean. And I know it sounds a little bit irreverent sort of relating soap to the blood of Jesus because it's like real, really no comparison. But for the sake of this illustration, Jesus has paid the price. His blood has the power to wash all of your sin away completely. But for me to be clean, I've got to use this soap. I've got to apply this soap to my life. For me to have my sins washed away, I must receive Jesus by faith and believe what he did on the cross he died for my sins it was my sin that held him there he rose again to break the curse of sin and death because he's the perfect sacrifice and I apply what Jesus did to my life by saying Jesus I believe what you did I'm going to live for you I'm giving my life to you it's a faith step but that's how we apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. And I'll read a few verses from chapter 6 as well. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So if you're here this morning and you know that you're off track, maybe you made a decision for Jesus once upon a time, but you know that your life is not right, or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to echo the words of Paul. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at the right time I heard you, on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, today is the day of salvation. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.